Hello and welcome to Casting Nets. I am one of your hosts, Pastor Dave Rudot. I am joined here with, on this day, this nice rainy day, with and here to brighten the rainy day is Pastor Will Harley from St. John and Maribel. He chose the wrong one to brighten the day. <laughs> I can night. always adjust the video <laughs> settings and that that will brighten my day. That's always an option. I, I've never heard my name and bright <laughs> in, the same, in the same sentence together. <laughs> That's what casting nets is all about, throwing people off, off the boat so that they catch some fish. There you go. But no, we, uh, we welcome you to the show. Thank you for being with us. Uh, we are, we are at a transition in our show. Um, we've had the opportunity to walk our way through the book of Revelation, which we've desperately wanted to do. And so we've, we've done that. In the process of doing that, we have, um, brought together, um, sort of, uh, a couple of genres, you know, uh, casting nets was, a podcast is still a podcast and now we're getting into some video videography and, and getting some more interactive things out there. Uh, so our, our listeners have a chance to interact with us over different media platforms. And so, uh, we are slowly working our way to, uh, somewhat of a, I wouldn't say professional, but I would say definitely intermediate. Uh, type of uh, function here. So we're, we're doing well. Thank you for joining us. We are going to finish up our look at the book of Revelation today. We are going to sort of prime the pump and get ready for our next uh, section of things where we're going to be dealing with some scandalous stories, uh, dealing with uh, 12, at least 12 of the parables of Jesus. That's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Um, sort of diving in and, and taking a look at uh, storytelling from the Lord and, and the, the kind of ways that he tells stories to interact with our lives. Yeah. Um, and and uh, some of the parables are familiar, but it's always good to take them under a microscope to see that these things are actually, they were pretty scandalous at the time. Um, still so, today. So don't be yeah. offended. So this is not, I can see Pastor Harley doing this, but this could be Pastor Harley saying, you know, guys, those times when I kind of make you a little uncomfortable, there's precedent for that. There is. There is. I mean, it's the, the gospel, the gospel is wonderful. The law should make you uncomfortable. And, um, <clears throat> sometimes the gospel makes you a little uncomfortable because, um, you know, we, we realize and recognize who we are. And we don't deserve it, which brings us to the topic at hand because we're dealing with the very end of all things, and uh, we get some good stuff coming and, out of our Lord. And yeah. uh, before we do that, we should have some good stuff to share with our listeners so that they don't get mad at us. Well, they can get mad at us, but we encourage them to actually talk to us. So this is our disclaimer: if there is something that we say that is upsetting to you, we um invite and encourage you to, to say something to us about it. I know last month, last month, last week, um, our topic of the great prostitutes got a lot of feedback from members in a, in a, in a, um, verbal way. And that was great. I um, think it was the big butt, the big butts. We talked about big butts. <laughs> Will just wanted me to say that one more time out loud. Get more listeners. <laughs> <laughs> So it got a lot of comments back uh, to us, and then also conversations going between than bulls. Oh, bulls. Bulls were better. <laughs> the wrath of the bulls. Watch out for the bulls. They're coming for you. Uh, and uh, so anyway, so we had a lot of good discussion about that face to face. So come to us at Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Shirley or St. John Lutheran Church in Maribel, um, and either one, and talk to either one of us, and continue the conversation um, about. 
Jesus and about the word and the topics that we're talking about. However, as we're talking about these things, we are thinking out loud. We are letting you in into the crazy world of two pastors talking about the things that they are most passionate about, which is God's word, but then also um, allowing you to see our quirkiness and, and weirdness as well. Weirdness, maybe geekiness, maybe some other adjective. Come up with the adjective. Um, as you're listening to us, you'll come up with an adjective or two. But our intent is always that you be driven to the scriptures uh, so that you would see about real life and living faith. And if there's something that uh, you listen to or hear or see that uh, you don't like or it in some way irks you, we invite you to, to talk to us about it. Castingnetspot at gmail.com, in person, Facebook, so what on. What would they see that would irk them? Other I, I than have that no I idea. have a face for radio. I, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> you have a face for radio and a voice for print. That's my line. You can't take my I don't, line. I don't have a voice for print. I have a very calming voice. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, anyway. I'm a reader. So, <laughs> disclaimer. It, it's the views that we're expressing aren't necessarily our views, but they are, um, or they are not necessarily our views or the views of the church bodies that we serve, but they are, um, always views, views that are ruled by God's word and the Lutheran confession. So, uh, if you, we are open to correction. Both of us are, um, men that are willing to be corrected by the scripture and by the confessions. And so we are, we welcome that. Now, that being said, if you're you're listening to us or hearing, watching us and saying this just isn't for me, we invite you to listen to something else. We invite you to, to turn something off and real live a real life and a living faith um, uh, fueled by God's word and the sacraments. Thank and you. on listen a positive more. note, if you like what you're seeing thumbs and you're up. saying thumbs up and you're saying this is a good thing and I want other people to see this, I like us, we don't. It doesn't matter to us whether you like us or not because we're doing this out of, out of labor of love for the. That's not good. true. <laughs> I want them to like me. Okay, Will wants you to like him. Um, this I, is how I gain my self confidence, self esteem. <laughs> um, he's joking, folks. Anyway, uh, like us or subscribe or give us four stars, not five stars. If you give us five stars, my head will simply get too big, and Will's head is just fine the way it is. So we don't want it any bigger. So give us four, not five. Um, and without further ado, let's go into our topic. Most people picture heaven, the picture that we draw in our minds is are based on our earthly experiences. If an activity here on earth gives us some sort of pleasure, we hope that that activity will be a regular feature in heaven. We tend to use our happiest times on earth as a kind of prism through which we picture the experience and joy of heaven. But the fact is, trying to view heaven in this earthly way will always seem to fall short. But we will still look at these wonderful pictures that are given to us in Revelation, which are taking us back, (laughs) way back, uh, to Eden, taking us back to the Old Testament, taking us... Uh, to give us these wonderful pictures of so, a paradise that, <clears throat> and I'm going to jump in in some ways, yeah. incomprehensible. I'm going to I'm going to jump in and just say that <clears throat> although we do have some of these wonderful pictures, harkening back to the Garden of Eden, harkening back to the Old Testament, harkening back to the Temple, even, um, I'm going to jump in and say that uh, uh, John pulls from uh, from his good friend Peter, and he's going to pull from some of his his earlier inspired writings. Um, as he, he wraps up his letter here 
uh, and the visions that he has. Um, <clears throat> but you, you, we got to take a step back because, because if you remember and if you've been listening, we, we kind of ended short of, of wrapping up the old and, and entering into the new. Um, and so as we wrap up the old and, 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 uh, um, go right into the new. We, we want to talk about this last judgment, right? The final, the final hammer down. Um, the Lord nails it. And, uh, so let's do some reading. Yeah, sure. Uh, just for context, we've, we've talked, we're getting to the monsters at the end of the book. We've, we've passed by the devil, the beast out of the sea and the beast out of the earth have all been, uh, judged and sent to their final judgment. And now we are transitioning to what happens to the believers, um, at this final judgment. So that's in Revelation chapter 20, beginning at verse 11. Let's read. Then I saw a great white throne and the one who sat on it. The earth and the sky fled from his presence and no place was found for them. I also saw the dead, great and small, standing in front of the throne, and books were opened. Another book was also opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged by the things written in the books according to what they had done. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and the grave gave up the dead that were in them, and they were judged, each one according to what he had done. Death and grave were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. If anyone's name is not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. That's some good stuff there. The lake of fire, you got uh, the second death. Those are terms that we <clears throat> we we kind of throw around, but we don't really know and we don't really unpack. I think uh, um, when we talk about death, very easily we start thinking and talking about um, like this finality of it. Um, and what we see in the, in the scriptures here is not necessarily a finality, but, but, a a continual pain, right? A continual struggle, um, that goes on, um, this lake of, of fire, this sulfur that's there is this continual burning throughout the scriptures. You're going to have, um, Jesus allude to that where, where they're going to be left out and there's weeping, there's gnashing of teeth. There's a, a burning that continues to, to happen without ever being quenched. Um, that would have been the time where you'd get the fires going on the picture. I mean, that would have been. <laughs> oh, the post show. There it is. <laughs> there it's you... not the post show. No, but it's it... just the, it's the fires burning, right? Um, so we have this final judgment where, where you have the devil and you have, um, um, everything has come to an end. Now the final thing to be defeated is, is death and, and this grave. That is, um, there's a joy that, that is, is being set here. One of the things that I think we should talk about, though, is is the concept that has been brought up throughout the book um, of Revelation, which is this book of life, right? Um, because it, it makes its return, and it's going to come and make a return later uh, at the end. Um, so what is this book of life? And, and uh, kind of walk us through that. What is it not? Let's start there. What is it not? Oh, um sorry, we lost the audio in the in the visual thing. When we when we did the fire, there's no audio uh, in that. So whatever you said, which was awesome by the way. Awesome. You'll just have awesome. to listen to our podcast and and just download the audio because our audio is recording separate from our vid- our video, so that's where that all is. Anyhow, book I of life. Question. What I, is the I, book I of have life? it. It's it's right over there. Actually, it's right over there on the, the book of life that has the, the membership roster. 
<laughs> I, but honestly, I think there's a lot of people that, that think that's that. what they think. <clears throat> yeah, there are think. a lot of people that think that the book of life is is uh, and and it plays out in in horrible ways throughout the church because well, I have my name in. This, in the church registry, therefore I'm okay. I won't come to church. I won't grow in grace. I won't learn about Christ. I won't participate in, in the body. Yeah. Um, but my name is there. And since my name is there, I must be okay. It, um, it's more important that they have a place for burial. Like I need that name in that register yeah. so that I can be buried in that cemetery, but it doesn't matter that, um, I don't actually practice the faith that yeah. or live the faith that God has given me. But I have it on good authority, even the grave, that place where your body is, is going into the, <laughs> into the, into the lake of sulfur. <laughs> I have it on very good authority that the word death and the grave. <laughs> so, you know, uh, but, but this is the joy, right? The joy is that there is a book of life written in the blood of Christ and, and it is the final say, um, yeah, over yeah. what you have done. Yeah, before because we get to the done, done part, yeah, because yeah. that's a that's a, something we have to unpack. But I I like where you're going with the comfort of knowing our books, our names are written in the book of life. Because so oftentimes Christians, when they are confronted with maybe they're in a situation with their family or their friends where they feel like they are alone, they are the only uh, only Christian in the room that or practicing Christian in the room, and it seems like it, it seems like uh, those who abandon the principles uh, of Christianity, they seem to be doing well. And here I am all by myself, a shut-in sitting there in their nursing home. You think of the, uh, during COVID where nobody could go and see them. They're all by themselves. They're lonely. Here they are. They have that reminder. Their names are written in God's book of life that God still remembers them. Somebody who is undergoing all kinds of suffering and pain and uh, discomfort in life. And it might seem like God is completely abandoned them. They don't have any, um, any seem, seem, seemingly relief from whatever they're facing, are reminded their names are written in God's book of life. The other thing that I would want to bring up, and it's it's a slight, it's very slight, and so some people maybe gloss over it. Um, when when the Lord takes to the throne, um, it says the books are opened, and then there is a another book. <clears throat> and, <laughs> I see where you're going, <laughs> and it, it 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 seems like it's a very subtle difference, right? Um, one's plural, one's singular. Um, and that's because there's not a lot of ink that needs to be spilt over why you have life. Although there's a lot of ink that is spilt over the things you tried to do or the things you did that deserve death. That deserve death. Yeah. It's a, it's an interesting point. Let's get to the, <laughs> oops, let's get to the concept of whoever, uh, each one according to what he has done. Yeah. You, me- you mentioned that, that before. Um, <clears throat> we have that in the Athanasian Creed where according, they will be judged. If those who have done good will rise to eternal life, those who have done evil will, will rise to be condemned. I think that's how it goes. You can correct me on that one, but talk, walk us through. According well, to what he has done. I mean, this this comes back down to you let ter- uh, scripture interpret scripture, right? Um, and you you go through the scriptures and you see none of us does good, not no, not one. Um, that all of our works are are like filthy rags before the Lord. And so you say to yourself, what did what do we have that we've done that is good? What 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 is left for us? Um, that, that will be recorded in the book of life. And the answer to that is nothing that I have done, but has been accredited to me. Um, and this is where you have that beautiful ability to share with, um, 
people who worry about, <clears throat> have I done enough? You can share with them and say very simply, it, it doesn't matter with what you have done and what you bring to the table, but it is Christ who has brought it to the table for you. Um, you know, we are, you, you deal with the, the work of the church and you deal with, with what the Lord is, is picturing here. And you have this idea of we're a part of a body and who is, whose body is it? it it's Christ's body. And so it is Christ doing the work. Um, wonderful book, which I think we've mentioned before on here, but something that we could mention again, um, uh, by Michael Berg. Um, and that is, um, uh, The Mask of God. Uh, it's his book on vocation. And, and that's, it, it, in there, he, he paints this beautiful picture from scripture, very, very scriptural, that, that God is working in us and through us in the lives of other people. That when we are serving someone else, it is God who is serving them through you. And so the good works that are being done to your credit are God working. That's, that, that's God doing it, but he gave you the credit for it. And, and you have that being, being painted here in a very, very, um, <clears throat> rudimentary and very explicit way. Um, you're, you, it's going to come back down to the brass tacks. Um, did, were the commandments fulfilled? That, that's, that, it, it, you can't get beyond that. The Ten Commandments, if you live a perfect life, heaven is yours. If you haven't, it's not. I can't do it. So it has to be given to me. That's that's where I go with it. I I would agree with everything you said because it is Jesus says this, you know, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. So he puts that standard out there and we are reminded that the um in like the writer to the Hebrews reminds us in the book of Hebrews of of the perfection that God demands is a perfection that he gives because of the sacrifice of the son. So when we get to heaven and God says, Look at all the cool things that Dave Rudat has done, I'm gonna I've I've often said this in that um when Jesus has the when Jesus is talking about the end of the world when he separates the sheep from the goats and he said, you know, I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I I don't know if uh if I'll be allowed to do this, but if I were had in control is when I would say the words that Jesus tells us, he gives us the script. He says, "You say, <laughs> when did we see you?" I'd be pointing at him, like Respond. you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you agree with this, uh, <laughs> <laughs> here's the terms and agreements. Read this whole thing and then check. <laughs> Where I would be the one, I'd be pointing at him, <clears> saying, "When did I see? When did I uh, feed feed anybody? When did I do that?" I'd be pointing at him because I'd yeah. be recognizing that he is the one that. Did all of those things and in my place. So there's, there's a, <clears throat> another, um, well, this is, it's been going around in theology for quite some time. So it's not as if, um, this is a new concept, but, um, <clears throat> the reality that the Ten Commandments, right? The, that's the moral law that we're all, uh, um, destined to live up to. Um, and we, we say these are the Ten Commandments. And when the Lord introduces them in Exodus, he, he doesn't call them commandments. They're, they're called the Ten Words. Um, and, and the, what is beautiful, and, and this is a, another, um, theologian who has done very, very good work in thinking far deeper than I think I ever could, um, by the name of Chad Bird, he said that the, the Ten Commandments, he said two things really. He said the Ten Commandments were never for, intended for us to do because we can't. They were intended for Christ to do on our behalf. 
which I thought was like, whoa, yeah, I get it. <laughs> we we know that, but we don't think about that. I mean, the Ten Commandments smack our sinful nature, um, but they were never meant to save us. They were they were meant for Christ to live for us. Um, the other thing, as Paul said in Galatians, he was born under the law. So yeah. Christ becoming a man. Well, what what kind of standard is he led to? I we talk about that in confirmation yeah. all the time, where we say, you know, God is is really above the law. He's perfect. So the perfection that he is, is he doesn't need to like check a book. He doesn't need to check a terms of condition. He doesn't have a, an, an attorney's office with all of the, the, the rules and regulations, what it means to be God. He just is. He right. is all of those things. He loves. He, he is patient. He is kind. He's just, um, and he is righteous. He just is those things. But the fact that Jesus placed himself under those requirements and let us know what those requirements were in things like the Ten Commandments and he, Places himself under them. Well, and then, and then here's the other thing that just blew my mind. And I, I, when I, and I've been toying with this thought, which I think comes into this final judgment and, and you're judged by what you have done. <clears throat> well, we call the Ten Commandments the, the Ten Words, right? Um, they're all prefaced with you or, or it, where the Lord says, um, you will, right? You will. It, there, it's a to be verb. God is, in Christ making us these things. Uh, you will have no other gods before me. And we look at that and our sinful nature says, oh, but I want other gods. And we say, well, this is what I have to do. This is what I have to live up to. And and yes, I get that. And, and the sinful nature uh, needs to have that forced upon them and say, no, these are the standards. But for the believer, this is God's proclamation over you, right? That in, in Christ, you will have no one else. And in Christ, you will honor the Sabbath day. And in Christ, you will not misuse my name. And, 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 and you will honor mother, father, government, and, and those I placed in authority over you. And you will not commit adultery. You will not steal. You will not hate. You know, all of these things that, that are, are encompassed into those commandments become ours. I am those things because of Christ, because Christ has made those things as, 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 as the covering over me because he has done them and I'm in him. And so at the end of all things, when I stand before the Lord and, and you said it so beautifully, right? And, and we give an accounting and the Lord said, these are those who have given me something to drink. These are those who, who sat with me in prison. These are those. And we say, I didn't, when did I do these things? Well, you did these things because Christ did these things. And so they're yours. And, and that's, that is an awesome, awesome thing. Um, to just to just be able to stand back and say I am not, but I am in Christ, and therefore they're mine. It's good to have that refresher on how everything works. You know, how does this whole salvation thing work? Because we always we you know Jesus died for our sins and Jesus loves us, and sometimes we make all of these shortcuts and we forget the whole concept is God demands perfection, and here's the perfection that He gives through Christ. And at the end of the day, when we get to heaven, when we get to heaven, that's the reason why is because of Christ and his perfection, not ours. Cause you spend too much time in the shortcuts and you start thinking it, that the thought comes into your mind. Well, he was a good person and he, he was, he went to church all this time or he uh, gave to the poor. He was, he was always kind. You, you start thinking about that individual and you forget that the whole process is God demands perfection. He gives it. In Christ. Yeah, I mean, when I die, I, I want, I, if I die and, and, and you have the opportunity to do my funeral, um, I want you to let everyone know I am a sinner. 
And, and I, I'll gladly do that. I'll I have the list ready. <laughs> I want, I want every, but I, but I, you know, a sinner clothed in Christ. Yeah. That, that is, I, I am dead. You are there because I died because I'm a sinner. That's what I deserved. And yet I'm clothed in Christ and that I have something else given to me. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the thing that I, I, I guess the thing I keep coming back to, and it seems very simplistic, but I, I come back to it and say, um, when my son was growing up and he was just a, a wee little lad, um, I would place a basketball into his hands, right? And I would hold the basketball in his hand because he couldn't hold it. It was too big. It was too heavy for him. And I'd lift him up over by the, the hoop and I would move my hand away and the ball was too heavy for him and it would fall through the hoop. And then I would praise him for making a shot. <laughs> I'd be like, Oh, that was great. You did a great job. My son's far older now. I can't lift, I can lift him up still, but, uh, you know, he, he can do a lot of that on his own, um, because he has grown in that, in, in what he is. Um, but when he was young, I, I imagine that. And, and how many times does the scripture call us children? Um, and, and we are, we are suckling children. We are, we're still on the, on the milk. Right of what God has given to us, and and this is what He has given to us. He has made us these things in Christ, and and Christ has held us over the basket, and He drops the ball, and He says, "Yay, good job!" Um, you get all the credit. My name's in the book of life. So, so where does it go from here? The new heavens and the new earth, chapter twenty-one. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, because the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And the sea no longer existed. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And from the throne I heard a loud voice that said, Look, God's dwelling is with people. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them, and he will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain because the former things have passed away. The one who is seated on the throne said to me, Look, I am making everything new. He also said, Write, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To anyone who is thirsty, I will give freely from the spring of the water of life. The one who is victorious will inherit these things. I will be his God, and he will be my son. And those who are cowardly, unbelieving, detestable, murderers, adulterers, sorcerers, idolaters, and all the liars will have their share in the lake burning with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Yeah, there you go. <clears throat> so you have you have this new city coming down, right? So you have the uh, God's making more. Um, God God continues to make uh, new what was now needed to be removed. Um, and he creates a new city. He creates a holy city. He, you got some beautiful pictures here. And, and so, um, I did a devotion, uh, for our, our chapel. Um, and we were going through Acts chapter three. And, uh, one of the things you see in Acts chapter three is, is something that maybe we don't draw attention to, but, but really comes out in, in the book of Revelation is that Peter and John did a lot of work together. Did you notice, you know that in the book of Acts, you see Peter and John doing a lot of work together. They're, they're preaching together. They're traveling together. They're praying together. Um, they're running races. They're running races together. Um, and, and you think about why is that important? Well, 
here's where that's important. Um, because you have in, in first Peter, Peter referencing God's people as, as, uh, as spiritual blocks being built up in, into a temple, right? Into, into a, a dwelling, a structure. And then you see this same language being brought into John as he's, he's saying this holy city is coming down, this new city is coming down, and it's a bride. Well, when you get bride language, which John is notorious for in his his gospel, you get bride language um, and and husband language. You're think, you're thinking church. This is God's people. This is this is the 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 husband is Christ Himself, uh, and then you're also wrapping into Peter's terminology of of this building, right? That this is the holy place. This is this is God's people built into this thing. Um, you got some really beautiful pictures here. That are that are just coming together in this new, um, what is creating this new thing? Mm-hmm. So let's go from there. All right. uh, anything else you want to talk about in this verse? I mean, you don't want to talk about it is done. You don't I, want to talk about that. I want to talk about a lot of things, but I don't know if you want to just work your way down. I mean, I have I have tons of notes on on this. I mean, this is. I just have to give him a hard time because usually when I stuff. say I'm ready to move on, you're like, no, don't you want to talk about this? Well, don't I, you want to talk about that? It's like, of course I'm I not do. Move on from this section. Oh, just move on from that comment. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I think sometimes we, we get it into our head. And here's where I had to make that comment about, about what this building is and who this building is, because we're going to have a lot about what this building is, um, coming up and, and it's going to really, you, you start seeing this is the church. This is this is this is the church in whom Christ, um, our Lord and and our our bridegroom is is living among us. Um, but it's important because sometimes whenever you see pictures of heaven, you see this this new this building, right? You see this this structure, and and I don't know if that's what John's necessarily re- referencing. I think he's referencing the fact that in in a very very beautiful image, this is. This is God's people, God's church. These are the, the people that he has built by his spirit and who are found in Christ who now, who now are there and that's it. And, and Christ is among them. So what you're saying, the point of this is not the place, but who is in the place. Is, is that, am I hearing you correctly? Well, here's the thing. Never from, in, in all of 21, he doesn't refer to the people. He refers to the place. Because the place is the people. That that's 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 the beauty of this is that God is is creating. So there's a new heaven and a new earth. Okay, let, let's just take a step back. There's there's a new heaven and a new earth because heaven is not for us. Earth is for us. God created it for people. In that is in this new heaven that God is creating, or the new earth that God is creating, His church is. And is it a building? No, but it is a spiritual building blocks of every single one of the believers who make this holy place. Yes, and they're there. And who is with them? Christ. That's the point. It's it's not like oh well you know um, he destroyed the entire earth and all the universe and he gave us twelve square miles. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, that's not the point. I think that's it. what you're saying is key because of the fact of uh, the throne being here and the incarnational language that we're talking about where God is among his people. 
And if we look at verse 21 and everything we've been looking at, and we say this is just talking about a place, we're going to describe the place with all the different jewels and whatnot. If that's what this is all about, then it's like this is a place where God is and not where I am. But if this is talking about Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem coming down is really about the people, that this is now describing a place, but he's actually actually describing people. Then we see this marvelous aspect of God that God wants to be with his people. Absolutely. That he, this is, this is the garden. This is garden of Eden. God walking with Adam and Eve. And this is not the way that we, some Christians or some cults will all, will refuse God because when you have, um, when you're wrestling with the concept of God being sovereign or God being powerful, you want to put him up on a pedestal. Like he's got to be up there and the rest of us are over here. You, you gravitate toward the language in the Bible where you've got the angels covering their faces and you say, you know, God's got to be, he's got to be remote from me. He's not going to be among me, but how God reveals himself to us is a God who wants to be in the midst of his people. And here he is in this new Jerusalem that yes, it's got, it's, it, it speaks of it in terms of a place, but if you see it as he's really describing a people, describing a reality. When we think of a king, when we think of somebody ruling, he's got to have a palace, he's got to have a throne, he's got to have a, a walls around him, and that's the the picture. But the reality is, is that Christ is among his people. He is in 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 there. That's that's what makes it a castle. That's what makes it something awesome. Not how it looks, but what's happening is God being among his people who says, I'm, I'm, it is done. Everything to tell us die, everything from the cross to now, everything is now finished. And now here we are in this wonderful reality that Christ has created. Well, and, and I think this is, and, and, and here is where you have, um, beautiful historical liturgy make its way in because you have, um, what is the liturgy? It is God's church, not the building, but his people gathering around the, the, the throne, the altar, the body of Christ. Um, and it's a mimic of what will be in heaven, right? As, as we see this, this wonderful thing. The other, the other comment that I would say towards that is, is that, um, John has a tendency. And if you read as you, you go down, it is done. Yes. This is the alpha. This is the omega. He's the beginning. He's the end. But John does something very unique that um, Paul and Peter don't do, um, and that is he references um, the water of life. He references life as a consumable, which I think is ultimately unique. <laughs> um, Paul and Peter reference life as a state, right? The state of living, but but John. Uh, throughout all of his, uh, his gospel, John through his, uh, um, epistles, uh, and here in, in, in Revelation, he references as life as a consumable. Um, you get to consume it. You, you get to process it. And, and that is kind of a, um, a neat flavor that we, we receive in this grace, right? Um, that, that the waters of life are ours to consume. We, we get to, Take it in. It's not that I'm just living in life. I, I'm, I'm imbibing it. I'm, I'm using it. It's yeah. awesome. It's awesome language. It really is. 
Sorry. I, I agree because it's something that we're partaking in every time we have the Lord's Supper. Bingo. That, that's where you were going. It is. Um, um, wherever when you remember memorizing the catechism, wherever there's forgiveness of sins, there is a life and salvation. And, uh, and I remember talking about that with confirmation kids, public school kids. Can you talk about life? Well, what do you mean? You live life to the full. Now you have Christ in your life. And here you get to receive the Lord's Supper. You get to receive him who is your life. And, and life now become, has more meaning, has a full and deeper meaning because Christ is in it. And in heaven, that will continue. Yeah. And that there's, and it's going to get better. I mean, as we go through, I mean, this, this image of what God is bringing about at the end just gets better. Um, this, this section before we move on, it just reiterates what we talked about before the books of, of death, um, re- uh, reiterating all of the, the, the deeds of those who are thrown into the, to the second, to the second death and to the lake of fire, um, murderers, adulterers, sorcerers, idolaters, and all the liars. So that's, um, we see what happens to the unbelievers because we're going to have the seven bulls, bulls come back. Um, as well, we have the, the bull one carrier. of the, the bull carrier. Or, <laughs> yeah, the bulls are already gone. That's right. I'm sorry. I stand corrected. The bulls are gone, but the carrier, the carrier of the bulls, <laughs> they get <back>. repurposed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's, let's go. Ahead. I think I stand correct. Let's read verses eight and following. Verse nine and following, I should say. One of the seven angels who had the seven bulls that were filled with the seven last plagues came and spoke with me. He said, come, I will show you the bride the wife of the Lamb. He carried me away in spirit to a great and high mountain, and he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It has the glory of God. Its radiance is similar to a very precious stone, like crystal clear jasper. It has a large high wall. It has twelve gates. Twelve gates. Twelve angels are the, at the gates, and twelve names are engraved on the gates, the gates of the, the names of the twelve tribes of the sons of Israel. Three gates are on the east, three on the north, three on the south, three on the west. The city's wall also has 12 foundations. And on, a, on them are the 12 names of the Lamb's 12 apostles. The one who spoke with me had a gold measuring rod so that he could measure the city, its gates, and its wall. The city is laid out as a square. Its length and width are equal. It, he measured the city with the measuring rod 12,000 stadia. Its length, width, and height are equal. He also measured its wall by human measurement, which was what the angel used, 144 cubits. The wall is made up of jasper, and the city is pure gold like pure glass. The foundations of the city wall have been adorned with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation is jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth angst, the fifth, the sixth ruby, the seventh diamond, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth turquoise, the eleventh jacinths the twelfth amethyst. The twelve gates are twelve pearls. Each one of the gates is made of one pearl, and the street of the city is pure gold like transparent glass. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city did not need the sun or the moon to shine on it because the glory of God has given it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring glory into it. There is no day when the gates will be shut for there will be no night at that place. They will bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. Nothing that is unclean and no one who does what is detestable or who tells lies will ever enter it, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book 
of life. There you go. So you wonder what this new Jerusalem is. You wonder what this holy city is. We get the definition of what this holy city is. Um, and the angel who is now being repurposed, uh, who once carried the, the plague, the seventh plague. The bulls! The bulls. He's now have an opportunity to show us who the bride is. And notice he doesn't show people. He shows the city. This gives you the definition of, of that city, just like we had just had that wonderful conversation just moments ago. Um, this city is this, the bride. This, the city is God's people. Um, the thing that comes to mind for me is as he's describing it and, and the high walls, the fortifications of this, of the, of the bride, right? The high walls, the fortification of God's people. The thing I think about the most is, is it has large high walls. That was verse 12. It has 12 gates. I'm thinking Jeremiah. I, it just popped into my head. Jeremiah, God's promise. I will make you a wall, <laughs> right? Um, this is God, God's fortifications. God's church is, is impenetrable. Um, we, we, we preach this in catechism all the time. Um, there is the invisible church and there is the visible church and the invisible church will not be defeated. It will not go. It is strong. It is built by the Lord and only the Lord knows who is in it. And it's all those written in the book of life and, and they are beautiful and they are wonderful and uh we have the beauty listed here right um all these precious jewels are are adorning them as if they are just made for a wall <laughs> right <laughs> it's like why would you use it on a wall because because they are awesome these are awesome walls yeah some of these uh jewels that are mentioned are we're not able to trace exactly what is meant but the picture the general picture just kind of like uh we've talked when we began the book of revelation we had a man sitting at a table, praying, folding his hands. Uh, the the focus is that it gives us a, a picture of beauty. That's the point, not that each uh, jewel stands for something or other. Um, perhaps I, I don't found know. myself in it. I am the fifth onyx. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I like black. You like black. <laughs> Um, You're more ruby today. I'm more ruby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the red vest. It's sweater weather. Ah, uh, the um, the picture. I I don't. Perhaps John is 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 imagining. Yes, a perfect church that nobody is lost because of all of the dimensions are are. It's a cube. It's nobody is is uh, um is dropped. Nobody is mistaken. Nobody is on the, on the sideline. Everyone is highlighted, but everyone is kind of different. I mean, there's this idea of the different types of jewels and that in the people of God, as they are gathered together in this new Jerusalem and, um, in heaven, they're not all going to look the same. We're not all going to be, uh, the same. We're not all, can I say it? We're not all going to be regarded the same. Uh, not that there is going to be any less. Yeah, I, I and mean, I if that's... I'm standing next to Martin Luther up there in heaven, I'm not going to say you got to give me the same kind of respect that this guy gets. Yeah, and and I wouldn't even use the word respect. I like how you said regarded. Um, there is different responsibilities. There are different purposes, and and we we live in a society today that doesn't like to acknowledge that people have different gifts, and that and and that's okay. 
Um, not that any person that has a different gift is less than, or, you know, the person who, who takes my order at McDonald's is less than because he's not the phil, uh, philosophy teacher at MSOE or uh, at any one of the higher universities. It's one of those things where, where we as a society are the ones that have charged ourselves into thinking that, that because of where you are and the purpose that God has set aside for your life, the vocational call for the time being in which you live has made you less. And that's not true. I, I, I don't think that's true at all. And I think we see that in, in this new heaven is, is there are going to be people who are going to, um, maybe be a gate. And there are going to be people who are, are going to maybe be the lower part of the wall or the upper part of the wall. There are going to be people. I mean, if you want to start saying jobs, maybe there's going to be people who play the harp and there are going to be people. I had one member who said to me, he, he, he laid concrete for his life. That, that's what he did. He was a concrete and he loved laying concrete. He loved it, knew everything about it. He said, if I have one request when I get to heaven, I want to lay the streets in gold. That's what he wanted to do. Um, that's okay, right? He's not anything less because of that. Um, he's he understood this is his gift, and and God gave him his calling. Um, and and I think we should be less concerned about the hierarchy of our callings, and more concerned of are we discharging our callings. I was, um, I think that's an, a point worth of considering for our listeners and viewers. Also, the, just the thought of if, if we didn't have any aspect of this, if we didn't have the angst in there, it would be less. So the, the church of God in the, in the heaven needs everybody. So it's not like, um, <clears throat> when we talk about regarding people of, of, uh, in the vocation that God has called them to be or what he has called them to do, there, we're not, nobody is less. I, we think of Paul talking about the body of Christ, uh, and how the, we view the, <clears throat> excuse me, certain parts with greater honor, even though they are the vulnerable parts or is it the vulnerable parts or something where the weaker parts are? I don't know if it's the weaker part. It's the private parts or something, yeah. something, something like that where Paul is talking about our body, <clears throat> making the allusion to the, the body of Christ and how there are parts that we kind of hide or maybe we, we, we treat with, um, we baby it or something like that. But the body of Christ in the end is complete with all of its members and in all of its roles, however they are regarded in heaven, however we regard others in heaven. What matters is that we all want to be there. And when we, when we get there, we will all belong that we will all have a spot that, that no one will consider, Oh, you know, Dave Rudat's over there in his Ruby and his, in a sweater weather, um, sweater, <laughs> perpetual sweater vest that he will continue to wear because he just likes them. So, so he, it, he's over there in the corner and we just kind of leave him over there. But no, it is just the, the, the church of God needs all of its members. Is, is it fair to maybe introduce into this conversation at this point? Um, what heaven is not and what heaven what heaven could possibly be heaven is i think we get it into our head that heaven is this first of all heaven is not the place for us earth is there's a new god creates a new heaven and a new earth earth is for his church um so, so let's let's put that one out there but the the other one that i think we need to to consider is 
we have this illusion being or the the image being compared to what Eden was meant to be and what it now will be. And this is the second Eden, right? What was Eden? Eden Eden was this perfect creation that God gave to to man the pinnacle of his creation to explore, to work in, to to grow in, to experience. And and if if we have throughout this whole entire um, listing of the new heavens and the new earth this this drawback to Eden, I I think the Lord wants us to start picturing this is something for us to explore. This is, there's things for us to do. There's there's stuff for us to engage in, and and God did not intend for us to just sit on a cloud and sing alleluias, but to live the alleluia in our life, to to be a part of his this creation and explore it and and manage it and do the things that we were intended to do from the beginning, but now we do so poorly. Um, and there's just, I think we limit our joy and say, how many times have I hurt? I don't want to sing all day when I'm in heaven. You know what? Fine. Go out. And pick some fruit. Go out and plant. Go out and explore. Go, go climb that mountain. And, and as you climb that mountain and your heart is singing, glory to God that I can do this. And, and I think that's heaven. Uh, that, that I can, I can feel the burning of my muscles and, and know that I'm okay. And I can feel the, I can feel the rush of wind against my face as I'm looking out on this newness of, of what it is. And no, I'm not going to be sick. <laughs> I don't have allergies anymore. <laughs> I get these things. And, and I mean, can we have that discussion? Yeah, we certainly can because that's what the picture is, is the new Jerusalem coming out of heaven to this earth. Because chapter 22 is describing the earth. Um, and so that's exactly what we're ex- experiencing. And dear listener, when we are saying that we'll have the earth to explore, we are not saying that Jesus is in heaven and he leaves us alone here on earth. It still has the picture of the throne in the midst of his people, God in the midst of his people, uh, Jesus walking here on earth with his brothers and sisters in Christ and looking at all of them and saying, you know, this is this. These are my people. These are the people that I want to hang out with. Um, yeah, let's explore this together. Let's do this together. So, um, shall we move on to the new new earth? Because you're you brought up the topic, and let's just talk about yeah. how John talks about it in chapter twenty two. Yeah, I just think I just think we need to have that conversation. Which is a good thing that John talks about. I know. It's kind of nice when God's word matches with my thoughts. <laughs> That it stands ready. It's like you have a question. Or oh, my here. thoughts match with God's words. How about that? <laughs> All right. Uh, chapter 22. Let's read. The angel showed me the river of the water of life, which was as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb. In the middle of the city street and on each side of the river was a tree of life that yielded 12 kinds of fruit. The tree yields its fruit every month and its leaves are for the healing of the nations. There will no longer be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city. The servants will worship him. They will see his face. His name will be on their foreheads. There will no longer be any night or any need for lamplight or sunlight because the Lord God will shine on them and they will reign forever and ever. The angel said to me, These words are faithful and true. The Lord, the God of the spirits and of the prophets, sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. 
And look, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who holds on to the words of prophecy of this book. Uh, should I keep reading? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, good well, stuff. You want me to stop or to keep reading? Well, keep keep reading until we get to the, the words of Jesus. Oh, okay. We'll do that last. Words of Jesus are nice. All right. Verse 9. Verse 8. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. When I heard and saw them, I bowed down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed me these things. But he said to me, do not do it. I'm a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and also with you, with those who hold on to the words of this book. Worship God. The angel said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book because the time is near. Let the one who is unjust continue to be unjust. Let the one who is filthy continue to be filthy. Let the one who is just continue to do what is just. Let the one who is holy continue to be holy. We'll stop there because I think that's enough. And then we'll end it with Jesus' oh, end words. It with Jesus, all right. Yeah, because Jesus has the last words here. That's gonna... nice when he has the last words. It is. It is. So we have the... Uh, like we said, the picture of Eden, but not, you know, there are some things that John talks about that aren't there in Eden. For example, there is no tree of knowledge of good and evil. Right. But the there is, heaven. there is a the tree a of life, which is tree of life, which and is it, meant to be consumed. Like the conversation you were talking about before. Yeah. I'm sorry. I keep interrupting. No, you. It's fine. That's uh, just so much good stuff here. Um, one of the things that I think is awesome is, is this is um, out of all of the gospel writers, John is the one who uh, writes about the waters of life, like in his in his writing. He talks about uh, the Samaritan at the well, um, and and how when she receives the water that the Lord gives to her, it, within her there will be a spring of the water of life that will will bubble up um, within her. And we have this being re- referenced that that God's people are in this new creation. God's people, there's this spring here that's that's always watering them. Just as he promised. Um, I did struggle a little bit with the tree because it's not trees. It's, it's, it's a tree. Um, you have, you have have two trees. The tree that yields fruit, um, with the 12 kinds and then it it yields fruit every month. It's, it's a tree, but it yields, it yields, it's, it's always yielding, always bearing, always giving, always doing. Um, and you have this beautiful thing that, that's coming on each side of the river is a tree of life. That yields twelve kinds of food, right? But but it's it's not like I think in my head, and this is and and I, like I said, it's changed as I've read it better. In my head, it was like, oh, it's all got all these trees growing all the way down it, <laughs> just two. <just> <laughs> um, and but you have the totality, right, of God's people. You have Old Testament, New Testament being fed. Um, you have the beautiful image of of um, what once brought pain and suffering into the world now is gone and all you have is life to consume um, and life to live. Um, and there's a joy there um, and we can get into it. And, and, and I am, and this is up for debate. I'm not going to say it's not up for debate, but I, I, I am a firm believer that um, God, when he created our bodies, he created them to experience a world that he laid out for us. Um, and in that experience, there are certain things that are a part of living. Um, why do our bodies heal? Why do our bodies have pain? Why do our bodies experience um, scratches and things of that nature? I don't think those are necessarily part of sin. Those are, those are ways we experience the world in which we live. When those things get out of control, when, when, when the scrape that we have becomes infected and un, unmanageable, that's sin. When the break doesn't heal right and be perfect or, or things like that, that's sin. 
But why did God equip our bodies for these things? It's to live life, to engage in his creation and to do so in a, in a, in a way that is marvelous and, and awesome. Um, and I believe we will reclaim those things. Now I said this is up to debate and, yeah. and many people will debate it. That's fine. But, but I come back to and say, why did he give us this if not to enjoy it? I think sometimes we have that debate because we are not delineating what is the effect of sin. Like what part of humanity is sinful? Cause you have to say, well, Jesus was human. He was, he slept. He got tired, got hungry and he got hungry and he ate. And so you say, is, being hungry sinful? Is it the fact that you get tired sinful? You say, well, it can't be because Jesus was human and did those things. So he was fully human in every way. He was a human like us. What about us is sinful? Is it the fact that we, uh, we get a cut? I think that's, that's worthwhile for our listeners to think about the, the healing nature of God creating this, this body that we've been given. Yeah. And I come back down to what does the scripture say? You know, it's, a, it's a pain that produces suffering. If there's a pain that produces suffering or affliction, definitely evil category. <laughs> but I work out and my muscles are sore. That's a pain, but that is good. I mean, that's, that's a good pain. <laughs> that's a, right? Yeah. I, when I, you're sitting, you know, when you come home from a, a hard day, when you're, even when you're, if you're working in a physical way or if you're working in a mental way and you're like, I, I accomplished something. I wrote a book or, I, yeah. I wrote a sermon or I was, I was, I was, I got people together. Well, I guess this wouldn't be the, the, um, the good example, but if I brought, if I, I accomplished something in personal relationships and something good happened at the result of it, you feel good. This something good happened today that in a sense is that picture of work as God intended it, that we, God intended us to work, to give, to manage something. Um, he intended us uh, to carry it, to carry it. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I think that, and, 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 and here's some proof for that. Christ, when he rises, bears the marks of his work completed and done. And, and they are not marks of, of regret and shame and look at the sin. They're marks of, of victory and marks of, of just, I have lived for you and died for you. And now I'm victorious for you. And I think back to that, I'm like, you know, I, I can point to some scars that I've had or I can point to, to times in my life where I worked really hard and I came out of it and I'm like, holy cow, what did I do? But it doesn't, it, it's not the same. It's, it's just not the same when, when that pain was inflicted on me or when that pain, um, brought something like a, that has a lasting effect. You know, it, it, it was, it was different. Um, and, and I think heaven is different. Um, because, because what God recreates for us is, is a, an ability for us to explore and to be what God has intended for us to be. Um, and we are so narrow focused sometimes in limiting what praise is and limiting what glory giving to God is and limiting what worship is that we don't see that our lives are a living sacrifice. Our, our, our entire lives are worship of our God and a testament to his glory and grace. Um, because we are living it right to, to his glory. And, and wow, there you go. Heaven is yours. <laughs> I mean, or the new earth is yours. Is the what new you're earth saying. is yours. Yeah. yeah. The, the new earth is yours. The, 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 
what comes next is yours <laughs> at your church. <laughs> no night. So just that whole idea of. I didn't need it be, anyway. <laughs> Don't you like things at nighttime? Or, I think I think it's just the, the picture of nighttime is always when sin happens. So yeah. I think that that's to me that's what the, is meant by that uh, no night uh, in there. It's just there there won't be any danger that right. we'll be in. We'll always it, the same picture that we had in the previous chapter of uh, Jerusalem having gates, but they're always open. Well, why would you have this strong building if it's completely defenseless well because there are no enemies there's no problems there's no nothing that puts it in any kind of danger whatsoever yeah and so so what do you what do you beautiful picture of heaven beautiful picture of the new earth what do you think about those final words of the of the um angel um you know i i struggle with that one a little bit uh i'll be honest because it almost seems defeatist right um, where we're there in 10 and 11, he, he kind of just says, you know, seal up the words of the prophecy of this book because the time is near. That's good news. Um, but then he says to the one who is unjust, continue to be unjust. Wait a second. Aren't we supposed, <laughs> right? Um, to the one who is filthy, continue to be filthy. <laughs> um, how do you, how do you walk through that? Uh, I walk through that in terms of the angel. This is the angel of the bulls. Bulls. I had to say it one more time. I think it's him putting a stamp of approval of what he just did. It, it, this is the angel who is, he has handed out judgment on God's enemies. And he's like, this is, this is right. This is good. He, he has no regrets on what happens or what will happen. And I think, I think this is also cluing us in on ourselves where we'll be at the end. We are in this time of means of grace now. So we are in the midst of people who could go to heaven or could go to hell who need us to, to share the message of Jesus. So we're right in the middle of it. So for us to have someone go to hell is really disconcerting. It really bothers us. It should bother us. Uh, it should make us not feel good that people are actually going to go to hell because we can do something about it. We can share the gospel with them. But at the end of all things, when everything is all said and done, when we're sitting here in this new heaven and new earth and we're looking back at what just happened, we will have God's perspective of justice at the end of it. And that's what this angel has, is that he is like, everything that I just did, stamp of approval, I, I don't have no regrets. Same thing for us as God's people who are, who, um, by faith in Jesus, will be rescued from all this. We look back yeah. and we'll say, God is good. Yeah. Uh, this is all. I can't change people. That's what they were. Yeah. Right. Right. What a sobering thing, though, right? It, and it, yeah, it is also that it is comfort for the parent who is saying, my kid, is uh, I had this in Montana. We had a, a guy who's just like, I can't be in heaven if I realize my son is going to be in hell. And I was like, well, right now, that feeling that you're feeling should move you to, to have a conversation with them about right. their eternal fate. But then you will have a perspective on the justice of God that you do not have now. Right. And and I think that's a beautiful way of saying it is is perspective. Um having a godly perspective as as opposed to having a perspective in the burdens of what we have dealing with now. Mm-hmm. Um and and there is frustration and there is angst and there's a little bit of there is a timetable you have now. <laughs> What's tomorrow going to be like? I can wait till tomorrow. Mm, maybe not. You got now. <laughs> what can I guarantee? You have today. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um so so what's today going to be? All right, let's let's Finish let's let off. Jesus speak. I like Jesus speaking. I do too. 
Jesus speaks, verse 12 of chapter 22. If you ever wonder, you know, if God will speak to you, you know, read his book. I want him to speak to me out loud. Read, read it, it out, out loud. loud. <laughs> <laughs> All right, verse 12. Look, I'm coming soon, and my reward is with me, to repay each one according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they have the right to the tree of life, and so that they may enter through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs, that is, the sorcerers, adulterers, the murderers, idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root the offspring of David, the bright morning star, the spirit and the bride say, come and let who let the one who hears this say, come and let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who wants the water of life, take it as a gift. I give this warning to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share of the tree of life and in the holy city, which are written in this book. The one who testifies about these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with all the saints. Amen. There you go. We got some wages being doled out. He's coming. He's going to come and he is going to give according to his body. He's going to give according to his deeds and if you are not in him, you don't get it. Um, there is um, uh, that beautiful um, sacramental language is brought back up here with um, those who wash their robes. Um, it's the continual work of the church uh, in word and sacrament ministry, right? Um, those who are, are, are sharing the gospel, those who are giving the goods, um, you are washing the robes, Right. Um, the robes weren't given. I didn't take them. I didn't make them. They were given to me. That's the work of the Spirit. Um, but the work that is given to the church, proclamation of word and sacrament, the administration of word and sacrament, um, we wash those robes continually. That That's that's part of what we do. And those who stand outside of it are, are different. And they don't get it. They don't have it. Yeah. What do you got? Um, I, I, I want to talk about the end, but I know you'll probably say, gotta rewind. Let's talk about something else first. No, no, I, I'm, I, the thing I gotta talk about is, um, there's, there's a joy. There is just a, a, a remarkable and utter joy, um, that comes from knowing our Savior and what he has done. And, and we look ahead and say with the Spirit, led by the Spirit, come. Come, yeah. The the words that you've given us are life, and we we want to preserve them. We don't want to add to them. We don't want to subtract from them. This is it. This is how we get there. I I think I like how he has a wonderful picture of the new heavens, new earth, and God's people. How do you get there through the words and these words that you're given? This is the this is the key how to get there. And then at the very end, Jesus speaks in his word to John. Yes, I am coming soon. Yeah, because John's. Writing concerned it down. <laughs> and he's right. Well, not only writing down, but he's like, what, you know, I, he, remember very beginning, John's living in a world where things aren't going well for Christians. And, uh, um, and so from the savior's mouth, he says, I'm coming soon. Um, and that's relative. 
Yeah. So many have looked at this uh, verse verse 20 is what I'm referencing to, and they uh, the Mormons do, where they would say, well, John has to come back again because it says the one who testifies about these things says, yes, I'm coming soon. So they use this as a proof passage that John's going to come back in the flesh instead of what the text is, is John writing this down. He's right. He's, he's, he's as a, um, as a, as a scribe writing this down. And then as the whole John does this all the time, my daughter was just talking about this in, we, we read a, um, we're reading the Bible together online with the Bible app. And she had that question. Why is it that, uh, Jesus always in the gospel of John is always pointing to the witness of the father. And why is it that, why is that? And I said, well, that's what, that's the theme in the book of John. If you listen to the whole book of John out loud, you'll see so oftentimes the, the son says, I need a wit, the witness is the father. And the father says, the son is the witness. And then as Jesus gets to the end of his ministry, then it's the Holy Spirit. He is going to, Jesus witnesses to the Holy Spirit and the work that he's about to do. So as John's writing, writing this, the witness that is there as he's writing is Christ himself speaking, breaking the fourth wall, if you will saying, yes, I'm coming soon. And then John writing in response to that, amen, come Lord Jesus. Well, and, and I, let's just be honest. I think we do kind of a, and in, in Greek, it's very difficult. Uh, we have our false headings that are placed in the scriptures. We say, okay, Jesus speaks, but we don't give clear delineation. I mean, in, in Greek, we don't have a, a clear delineation of, of necessarily beginning and end. We, we have a more clear delineation of end, right? The angel stops speaking. We understand that. And all of a sudden we have this other that speaks and, and you, he speaks in the name of the, of the, of the Lord Christ. But we don't have the delineation of him stopping speaking. So, so really when you read through that entire thing, it could be very easily Christ speaking the words of verse 17. The spirit, this is the Lord saying, and the spirit, and God and my people are going to say, come, and <laughs> they're all going to do this. And, and then, then he also could be the one. And I think he is giving the warning. Don't remove, right? Um, because if you do, this will happen. And then is it possible? Is it, is it right that it was Christ who says, and the one testifying about these things says, I think it is. I, I like I said, you know, we in English, we try to make this a very clear cut matter and say, okay. This is Jesus. This isn't Jesus. But, but we don't have that clear delineation. Um, the only thing that I could say that, that I would, I would probably give credit to Paul or to, to John at the end here would be amen. Come Lord Jesus. <laughs> and then the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you and all the saints. <laughs> um, I, I say, there you go, John. <laughs> you could have that. <laughs> but, I mean, does, does it have to be? I mean, can, do we have to be so stringent and say this was only, this was only Christ speak. This was God, uh, John speak. I, I don't, I don't think we have to. I, I do like the picture of John speaking to Christ through the written word. I just, I just can't get away from that, which I think is really kind of cool because Jesus not, is the I'm written not saying word. it isn't that. I'm right. just saying, do we have to? Where we have to pick and choose which ones were. I'm, yeah, I'm not, I guess I'm, I'm, not picking and choosing. I just, I, I, I know what it's not. I know it's not John saying, I'm going to come soon right. because that doesn't fit the rest of the scriptures. Right. Jesus never says that John's going to come again. So I know it's not that. Um, could be Elijah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Elijah came already. 
<laughs> yeah, so anyway, um, one who witnesses about these things, Pastor Rudat is coming soon. <laughs> In his sweater weather, sweater weather vest. The ruby will be made manifest. <laughs> well, this is good stuff. Thank you so much for uh, for walking through the book of revelation with us. I, I appreciate um, that we had people who, who kind of showed interest in it beforehand. And, um, and I thank you for taking the time, Dave, and, and, and saying, let's tackle this. Um, I know you did a lot of the legwork with, with teaching this before in a class. And so we kind of jumped off of some of the work that you had already done previously. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. I was, uh, I'm, I was glad to be able to, to help you fulfill a promise that you had made when you had, were doing uh, Daniel with uh, Pastor Winsberger that you wanted to do Revelation, made a good uh, companion to that. So now we've got that body of work uh, finished. And it, I'm again, I would mirror that I'm really thankful that you are listening or watching or however you are consuming this information because it is all about, not about us and our interpretation, but all about Jesus, Absolutely. And who is the word of life, who is the water of life, who is the reason why we do have life. That's my closing thoughts. What are your closing thoughts, Will? Um, other than to simply say my hope and my prayer is that through Christ and his means of grace, you have your name written in the book of life. Because that's everything. 